Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Tatooine to Hill Valley, Twin Pines Mall, and everywhere in between. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike Gibson. With me as always is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Drama. Yep. That's what's up. A lot of drama this week. (laughs) Yeah, man. This show, buckle up, people. This show is all drama and controversy. (laughs) Not not usually our forte, unless it's Flash Watch. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. This episode is drama and controversy, and it does not involve Ezra Miller (laughs) in any way. It's the first time in like a year we've done this. Yeah, it's wild. Really, really wild. So, um, yeah, so buckle up. There's going to be some, you know, some fun stuff, and I'm sure we'll tangent on a few things. We are wont to do. But here we go. Okay, just going to dive right in here with some Marvel stuff. Um, I hate even, I hate yeah, this story. I don't, I don't even know how to, <laughs> I how, do you, how do you, for- yeah, how do you breach this subject? Because it's like, I, I mean, you just start with facts, I guess. And the facts is that Jonathan Majors, uh, up and coming actor, star on the rise. Uh, you may know him as being cast as Kang the Conqueror in the MCU. Um, he showed up as a version of Kang in Loki season one and uh, played the villain outright in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Well, Jonathan Majors was arrested in New York City this week on charges of assault. A woman reported to be Majors' girlfriend told the police that he had assaulted her. Um, Majors was arrested on charges of assault, strangulation, and harassment. Um, Now, of course, lawyer for Majors issued a statement immediately saying that he was, uh, he did nothing wrong. It was, he didn't do anything and it was not true. Uh, they elaborated on a uh, statement um, later saying, we are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the district attorney with the expectation that all charges will be dropped imminently. Video footage from the vehicle where this episode took place, witness testimony from the driver and others who both saw and heard the episode, and most importantly, two written statements from the woman recanting these allegations. Unfortunately, this incident came about because this woman was having an emotional crisis for which she was taken to a hospital yesterday. The NYPD is required to make an arrest in these situations, and this is the only reason Mr. Majors was arrested. We expect these charges to be dropped soon. Um... So, yes, I guess that is that part is true that the woman has recanted her allegations. Um, But is it too little too late if you get slapped with a um, assault and harassment charge, basically domestic violence in 2023? Is your career over? I say that might be the case. Um, And even if it even if the statement from the lawyer is true. You know, the woman is recanting her testimony. If there are these witnesses, if there is this video footage, great. However, um, between the incident being reported initially and between this statement from the lawyer and the woman recanting her charges, her testimony, multiple people came forward on social media to say that they've known about Jonathan Majors being 
a, I believe he was called a sociopath and an abuser, um, that they've known about his behavior for years. And it unfortunately was going to take a victim coming forward to out him. So, uh, it's a very complicated situation. Um, we're talking about it because he is um, a big part of the of moving forward the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I do want to make it clear uh, for Steve and I that um, we care very little about the future of the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe when compared to um, uh, how this person is going to be treating women and other people in his life and um, the health and safety of this woman in question. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's, it's a tough, it, yeah, it's a tough topic to touch on anyway, uh, let alone yeah. with a major tie in to something that we have a podcast about. And in all honesty, yes. that's the only reason yeah. that we're even bringing it up, uh, and giving it credence. Um, majors is a cornerstone and has been in the Watchmen and this and or not the Watchmen. I'm thinking of uh, never mind. Uh, uh, Lovecraft Country. There you, you go. That's it. Yeah. Um, I was like, no, wrong HBO show. Um, right. So he's been in and around the the sphere for a while at this point, sure. and is a very talented actor. Actor, but that comes secondary to you know being a human being. Yes. Yep. Um. So I guess we felt like we should report this story. Uh, because of his connection to the other things that we talk about, knowing that, like, we're not going to take this time right now to speculate on what the MCU is going to do. He's going to be fired. Like, who knows? Who cares? They're Marvel. They have billions of dollars. They'll figure it out. All right. Um, but that happened um, just in the last few days in New York City. So that's something going on. I'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail. Say. Things are going to shake out. Things are going to happen. Things are going to change. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, this isn't be... the last time we'll be talking about this. No, unfortunately, we will hear about it again, I'm sure, in some some way. When Marvel, you know, issues some kind of statement, we'll yep. talk about it again, obviously. All right, so that's probably the low point of the podcast. Wanted Here's to get the hope. that right out of the way. But, again, as we stated up top, not nearly the last uh, controversy that we're going to be talking about. And uh, for this it, one, we're sticking with marvel at least the rest of them are much easier to talk about (laughs) much easier to talk about and speculate on yeah i gotta say uh victoria alonzo not a name that you hear a ton if you're just you know a casual marvel fan or casual mcu fan but a name that you should know um because victoria alonzo someone who started at marvel in 2006 a few years before disney acquired Marvel and started um, directing its set its sights on making a cinematic universe. Um, she's been a huge part of the MCU, serving um, right you know side by side with Kevin Feige. Uh, she served as Marvel's president of physical production, post production, and virtual effects and animation. Well, this past week, Victoria Alonso was fired by Disney or fired from Marvel Studios by Disney. Now, first it said that she left. <laughs> And it quickly came out that, no, she was fired. She did leave. However, it wasn't of her own accord. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She didn't choose to leave. And so there's a lot of speculation as to why, why she has been fired. 
Um, the most recent and possibly, well, this is, this is what Disney is saying. Disney is saying that she was fired because uh, she was working on and promoting a, uh, an Oscar-nominated film called Argentina 1985. Now, apparently she uh, was, you know, she, under her contract with Marvel, she should be exclusive to working on Marvel films or Disney-produced films. However, apparently, she wanted to produce this movie, Argentina 1985, and they allowed her to produce it um, as like a acknowledgement of her long-standing time. Oh, the, the movie is produced by Amazon. It's a rival studio, yeah. which is why there was any speculation as to why, you know, whether or not she could even be a part of that movie. They allowed her to do it because of she spent 17 years working for them. And they, you know, yeah. sure. And, but and apparently there was... And like the i think it was a, a movie that was close to home and yeah yeah absolutely um but apparently it was against it was not in her contract that she was uh able to promote the film which i guess she was doing she was giving interviews about it and blah blah blah. and so they're saying that that is the reason that she was fired um for violating that contract um uh victoria alonzo's lawyer has come out and said that that is not true at all that is not why there's no way that that's the reason that she was fired and that they are going to be um, seeking uh, revenge, right. <laughs> I guess. What's the legal term for revenge um, on Disney? Not a um, Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it's definitely um, not the first uh, controversy or quote unquote controversy with Alonzo when it came to speaking out against Disney and some of the practices under the prior regime there. Um, specifically not speaking out against the don't say gay bill in Florida. And, um, yeah, that, that's one of the, one of the things on the docket as well as, uh, the thought that she, her, her head may have rolled as the scapegoat for, uh, some of the, the recent VFX woes. Yes. Um, those are all reasons that have been floated and, uh, her lawyer as part of the, her lawyer statement also seemingly saying that she's being punished for speaking out against the don't say gay bill when Disney wasn't speaking out against it. I kind of don't get that because a new guy runs Disney now, right. like Bob Iger is back and yeah, that one doesn't seem Bob, to have as many legs as the, the other yeah, potential. It was reasons. Bob, it was Bob Chappick that refused to say anything against the don't say gay bill until it was too late. Um, I think Bob Iger would have if he had been in charge of Disney at that time. So it doesn't seem like he would be taking it out against her now when it happened under somebody else's watch. Uh, so I'm not really sure. Is it possible that she they may they forced her to fall on the sword as a reason? To, you know, Marvel's got uh, these escalating VFX budgets with you know, diminishing returns lately. Um, seems like it hasn't really, uh, you know, they've gotten a lot of flack from people in the industry as well as fans noting that the, the effects aren't as good as they used to be. So we've talked about that on the show. So is that part of it? Who knows? Um, part of the statement from Alonzo's lawyer, Disney and Marvel made a really poor decision that will have serious consequences. There is a lot more to this story and Victoria will be telling it shortly in one forum or another. So, Similar to our first story, lots of speculation going on here. Um, 
and we will apparently be hearing more about it, according to um, Victoria Alonso's lawyer. Um, and you got to think that there's more stuff below the surface here. Like, I don't know, oh, uh, pe- I mean, I should also say people also came forward um, either anonymously in reports about this or on social media saying um, that she was kind of responsible for being for creating some kind of a toxic work environment. I think I mm. read at one point and how she would blacklist people that she didn't like or that she felt wronged her from the industry, like wouldn't allow them to work on Disney films or Marvel films and things. So um, someone so, referred to her as a kingmaker, you know, mm, like if you if gotcha. she likes you, you're golden. If she doesn't, you're screwed. So now, what this is sounding like to me is a very standard um Anytime some high up exec gets fired at one of these companies of there's 8,000 different reasons why and we may never sure. actually know the right thing or what actually yeah. happened. Yep. Yeah. So. I feel like if you work there, she's been there for 17 years. I, I, and someone at that level, like there's probably a lot you could probably manufacture a ton of reasons why they were firing you. Oh, um, yeah. You know. Uh, but anyway. That's another thing. Um, Steve, do you have any inkling as to which is correct here or like what the major reasoning was? I don't know. My gut went to somebody needs to be the fall guy for the VFX stuff. That's kind of what I think, too. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's the, you know, when when the the standard conspiracy thing of like there's 8000 different reasons what it could be. And it's like, well, why don't you just go with the the most reasonable one of. Right. (laughs) They didn't. They needed to quote-unquote reset their vfx stuff and yep why not just take out a vp for you know the optics of it yeah i think one of the, the thing uh, i think it was variety's report on it referred to like you know marvel had this like completely clear and pristine track record of um movies that looked great and you know like you know, great effects for like a long time for over 10 years of the MCU. And it was only recently that they started getting a lot of flack for how they were treated their VFX houses and also like how the movies looked like, you know, Thor, the last two big ones, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. I mean, not as much No Way Home, but like a little of No Way Home, but mostly Thor, Love and Thunder and uh, Quantumania seem to be the ones that are being pointed to as like, yo, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. This, you got to step it up effects wise. Um, and, and, you know, both those movies, Thor, Love and Thunder and Quantumania had huge second week drop offs at the box office. So yeah. like they're seeing a change and they're hearing reviews and they're seeing people point to the VFX that maybe that's, you know, like, Hey, if this is costing us money, uh, then we need to switch things up. Like you said, so like, I, I tend to think that that's the most likely thing. I can't see that. Like if they allowed her to work on a movie, they're going to fire her for like talking about it on a red carpet, like at the Oscars or something like that doesn't come on. That's stupid. After she's worked there for 17 years, you're not going to like let her give an interview about a passion project like right. that she's personally attached to. That doesn't that doesn't seem to make sense to me at all. Yeah, no, that that that's definitely um, not the reason. <laughs> I can't imagine that being the reason. If it is, there's some weird stuff going on there because. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's weird stuff going on there. Right, but, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, here's something fun to Ooh, talk about. Scuttlebutt. All right. 
those of you that were about to check out, here's we're going to bring you back with something fun. Ready? And it, it is scuttlebutt. That's a great uh, word for it. Um, uh, Scooper and reporter Jeff Snyder, we've talked about on the show many times, one of my favorite, um, you know, Scooper and news breakers to follow. I got to say, I don't know if I've ever said this. Um, I know that I've talked, we've talked about him on this uh, podcast before, and I've stated that I really uh, enjoy following him and that I trust him a lot. Part of the reason I trust him a lot is that he does not give a shit about Star Wars movies or superhero movies at all. Like mm-hmm. more, more than often hates them, <laughs> but it's his job to report stories. So he's not report. His heart is not in this when he's talking about what Marvel's going to do or what Star Wars is going to do. He right. doesn't have a personal stake in it at all. It's like not something he's coming gonna... from like CBR or superhero hype or something like that where it's exactly you know, they're in it. It's like, no, they, exactly. This just... He's just reporting stuff that he hears and he's not doing it with any kind of you know, sway as far as superhero stuff goes. Um, and so like he dropped a lot of news on his podcast this week and we're going to um, talk about some of it. Uh, some of it's Marvel, some of it's Star Wars related. There's more than just news that Star Wars related. And he even said when he was reporting that he said, personally, I don't care if I never see another Star Wars movie for the rest of my life. But, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, anyway, one cool thing he talked about Marvel. This is a rumor. He obviously he's a journalist. He can't cite his he can't give away his sources. Um, but he said that he has heard that Deadpool three. A movie that I feel like I keep forgetting about because it's so rare that we get updates about it. And no one knows when it's happening. Deadpool 3 is going to be Deadpool taking on the TVA. And that stands for Time Variance Association. If you uh, saw Loki season one, you will remember the TVA uh, being run by um, Owen Wilson (laughs) and others uh, maintaining timelines, blah, 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 things like that. Um, And that not only will be Deadpool... It will be Deadpool versus the TVA, Owen Wilson himself, and uh, Tara Strong, voicing the little animated character Miss Minutes, will be returning uh, to reprise their roles in Deadpool 3. There's no word on whether Loki himself, Tom Hiddleston, or anybody else from that show will be appearing, but Owen Wilson and Tara Strong are, again, rumored via Jeff Snyder to be appearing in Deadpool 3. And this lines up with a tweet I remember Tara Strong tweeting, I don't know, six months ago she just tweeted a picture of she just said tweeted at ryan reynolds and said something like hi ryan reynolds hashtag miss minutes and that was it and he like did like a wave emoji back and i was like that's a pretty random tweet i just remembered it when i when i heard him say that i was like oh yeah that lines up with that thing at least like a little tease so steve what do you think about the idea of deadpool 3 being deadpool versus the tva uh if that's the entire plot of the movie i'm mildly going to be confused um if that's a segment of the movie cool uh we already know that fire away i was gonna say it's probably a jumping off point at least yeah it's like it's like a catalyst for other crazy stuff to happen oh just had a that's how I, i i just had a brain moment the thought is that what those are called I think yeah, I think I, brain moments are usually referred to as thoughts. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I had one of those. Um, <laughs> we have huge accident. Wow. Apparently, I didn't have enough thoughts to continue speaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is known yep. to be in the movie. Yes. We have Cable is already a thing. Oh, yeah. So we already have timey-wimey weird things going on with Cable. Yeah. Uh, TVA. And with Deadpool. At the end of Deadpool 2, he goes time-hopping all over the place. Right. So, like, <laughs> yeah. does the TVA, you know, grab him? He goes right. all Deadpool. And then wherever he ends up is in the Foxverse with Logan. Yes. Yep. So that's that's yeah. how well, exactly what I was thinking as to how they would bring in uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. If you give Deadpool access to the TVA, which we know you can jump to different uh, places and times and universes and things like that from the TVA. So um, or no, no, I guess not universes, but timelines. Right. For sure. Right. He can yep. jump to different timelines. So, um, you know, all that weirdness is a, certainly a way to bring in Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and just countless other insane things that will probably be very, very entertaining, I would think. Um, oh, yeah. What does this mean for? I mean, Loki season two, is that still coming out this year? That's one of the ones still coming yes. out. It's Secret yes. Invasion and Loki season two, right? I believe so, that is accurate. Do will we get any hint of this in Loki season two? Is a, a question that I have about this. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think you you're that's clever. What you said about the fact that Deadpool has already been time traveling. Um, it makes sense that that would be enough for the TVA to come to him. Yeah, like he's not gonna. You know, they're gonna come and get. You know, that's the great catalyst for not only. Um putting him in a situation where he can uh you know jump to all these wacky timelines if he wants to but also a way to bring literally bring him into the mcu like forcefully <laughs> like right. characters in the mcu are going to enter his timeline abduct him and drag him into a different universe and mm -hmm. that seemingly lines up with uh um you know marvel continuity or whatever or it's a way to line it up with continuity there we go We've figured there it we out. Go. We that's the movie, folks. Don't have to go Cracked see it. Cracked it. That's it. Yep. Don't even put it out, Marvel. We figured it out. <laughs> back. I'm gonna laugh if we back. actually like. Oh, that actually is exactly how they're doing it. Cool. I mean, it makes sense. It does. It makes sense, and it's it's. I. I don't know. I'm not a professional screenwriter. They they could be doing something, more than that. Will it make? Use would. Will it be hilarious if we called it or will it be sad that we called it <laughs> like this early? I'm like been waiting how long for Deadpool three. And it's a plot that we just figured out one Sunday night when we thought about it for two seconds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also Deadpool three. So you're not really in it for the plot. Yeah. I mean, I kind of am. I mean, I am. But also I know. In my heart that it's going to now just become an MCU thing right. where because it's a three doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be an end to some kind of arc. It's going to be, you know, teasing the next appearance of Deadpool two years later in mm -hmm. Kang dynasty or secret wars or whatever, you know, like, right. Well, no, so when I, if, when if I'm it saying was, it if it was not an MCU, sorry, if it was not an MCU movie, I would be more excited about the culmination of a trilogy right. than I am knowing that it's like, okay, yeah, it's the culmination of a trilogy, but he's not, no one ever, no one hardly ever dies in the MCU. <laughs> it's right. just going to keep going. 
Yeah. No, what Sorry, I was what saying, saying? I, when I was saying that you don't care about the plot, not from the sense of it can be ultra simple or whatever, or, you know, it doesn't really matter. It, just that it's more about Reynolds's interactions with people rather than, sure. you know, uh, yes, yeah. it, Deadpool one, like origin story. Deadpool go. Deadpool one had more work to do yeah. than Deadpool three ever would. Right. Um, because we're in we're two movies deep in this character and this version of the character and the world that he's in. So we will follow him. We'll, we'll we'd be more forgiving of a weaker three. Right. I think. Well, and also not like, a terrible three. I mean, I'm not talking Spider-Man three levels here. Yeah. But, you know, you know what I mean? It's got to have a payoff of some kind. If we are starting out that rich, if we called the opening and that's where we start and they just keep throwing stuff at us, maybe we do have a Spider-Man 3 where it just gets too jumbled. That is another, uh, that's another concern. So I think, I think. We will see in 2025. Probably. And also like, cause you have to balance I mean, you you do have to service the character of Deadpool in a way that is emotionally gratifying. Um, Were that statement in a Deadpool movie, he would have made a comment about servicing Deadpool. Yeah. And uh, being gratifying. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, But like, I don't know. I hope that it's not too tempting to, like you said, overstuff it with time jumps and different universes and things like that like that's Although fine they, in like a post-credit scene like the end of deadpool 2 fine make jokes about it but but even that they did know. overstuff it with a bunch of randoms like think of the entire x-force thing <laughs> yeah and you know deadpool what is kind of overstuffed sa- you're right and i'm saying that and also like it would make a it's gonna it would make a world of difference for an overstuffed deadpool movie to be happening and for him to just turn to the camera and be like wow there's way too much going on like right. acknowledging it at least mm-hmm. is like okay yeah they know they did this on purpose and right i, I guess if there is a movie that they can overstuff this might it's be deadpool the one three yep look <laughs> at us just talk it out again. right back into it back into being <laughs> pumped about it there we go whole 180 all right, so now we're going back into some controversy, everybody. But this is controversy from a galaxy far, far away. Um, just last week, we were talking about um, the Star Wars movies that we know that are still in development. This is <laughs> why I had Watchmen being... on the Brain. Ah, yep. yes. Ah, yes. Um, uh, Watchmen, showrunner. Damon Lindelof and co-writer Justin Britt Gibson have exited their Star Wars project. Yeah. So, guys, if you Um, remember that movie we were talking about last week where we were actually excited about it, this is that same movie. This is that one. This is that one. (laughs) Um, Apparently, Lindelof and Britt Gibson turned in a draft of their script last month, a month ago. Before walking away from the project, Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy is still attached to direct. So it's not that the movie is scrapped. Uh, the director is still attached. And uh, the writers have already been replaced, replaced by a guy named Stephen Knight, who is the creator and head writer of Peaky Blinders, which is a show I've never seen, but people seem to really love. It's a very good show. Um, it's very good. I, I believe that it is like a kind of a gritty street crime. Yeah, gritty, thing, gritty right? period piece. Yeah. Got to be wondering if uh, the critical success of Andor had any um 
had anything to do with them going a different direction with the writing and choosing yeah. somebody who has known for more of a gritty aesthetic. There you go. I don't know. Um, interesting. We don't, there has been no statement from David Lindelof or Justin Britt Gibson about why they left. However, in an interview that Lindelof gave last month, he said the following, which I think, you know, knowing that they turned into a script, a draft of their script last month and then walked away. So they've been off this movie for a month already and they just haven't reported it because they were probably waiting until they got Stephen Knight signed on to replace them. Uh, but I think he gave this, it seems like he gave this response to this question already knowing that he wasn't working on Star Wars anymore. Um, someone asked how it was going, uh, being like, how was the script coming along? How's his work on Star Wars going? And he said, the degree of difficulty is extremely, extremely, extremely high. If it can't be great, it shouldn't exist. That's all I'll say because I have the same association with it as you do, which is it's the first movie I saw sitting in my dad's lap, four years old, May of 1977. I think it's possible that sometimes when you hold something in such high reverence and esteem, you start to get in the kitchen and you just go, maybe I shouldn't be cooking. Maybe I should just be eating. We'll just leave it at that. Hmm. So I think that's his way of saying, I'm not working on this movie anymore. Um, and was it really a thing where he didn't think he was suited for it? I don't know. Or, or he, I, I can't just say him because he was co-writing with um, Justin Britt Gibson. Were they not suited for it? Did they think that they weren't doing their best work? Did they think it would be better in the hands of someone named Stephen Knight? I don't know. Um, bouncing back to Mr. Jeff Snyder, speaking on his podcast this week, um, said a couple things about this uh whatever it is, <laughs> issue, thing, report. conundrum, conundrum. He said first, after they broke the news, first he heard that their draft wasn't very good. Then he says that he heard that the two writers didn't know that the director was being hired, that Kathleen Kennedy, who I guess is known for, quote, making decisions in a vacuum, that's what, um, how Jeff Snyder decided it, um, hired obeyed chinoy without telling the writers and that caused some friction possibly and we certainly know that there has been friction between other star wars creators and kathleen kennedy in the past whose fault that is nobody really ever knows and we never will know no um but that could have been something that bothered the two writers that they were not consulted about um, the director and that also he notes that you know it's it seemed if they knew that these two were leaving a month ago and then they already announced the new writer, like they had him ready to go. So maybe it was a thing where Lucasfilm knew before Lindelof and Brid Gibson were walking away that they were going to need a new writer. I don't know. Um, so that's, I mean, this is all, you know, again, this is what Jeff Snyder's hearing. He's not like citing sources, but he kind of is the source. Um, and he also notes that uh, Charmin Obeyed Chinoy seems kind of like a random choice for what is to be a pretty important movie for Lucasfilm and for Disney. Yeah. This is now being said that it's this whatever this movie is, is going to be the next uh, movie that we see in theaters. And, you know, it's not like Charmin Obeyed Chinoy has a, a 
has like no resume. Like she's directed. No, she's a two-time Academy winning director, but both of those are for documentaries. For documentaries. Yep. And, um, and she's directed episodes like Miss Marvel. So she's done stuff. But I, I kind of agree with Jeff that she is a strange choice to helm a, the newest star Wars movie after there hasn't been a star Wars movie in so long, you know, five years or whatever. Um, and he also kind of talked about, I didn't put this in the rundown, but I'm just, cause I, uh, watched it, the YouTube video of his podcast. He also kind of talked about how, how really, when you think about it, how insane it is that there hasn't been a new star Wars movie, not only in theaters, but not even green lit since rise of Skywalker. They just keep like going through people and it's yeah, not it's a good like look. It's not living a good in track development record. hell. Yeah. Everything just can't get out of development. Um, so, yeah, Steve, I mean, we have other a uh, couple other Jeff Snyder-y uh, Star Wars things to talk about, but um, thoughts on Lindelof and Britt Gibson's exit? Thoughts on Stephen Knight taking over? What do we think here? I mean, I, I'm curious where and how they're going to do it. The way, the way I've seen it noted was that this project will still use the story that those two came up with and then okay. rewrite by night i had to look up who it was i was gonna say rewrite yeah. by peak peaker blinders guy but that doesn't go for <laughs> yeah. great radio His names right there. um yeah <laughs> when we have a sheet that has it on there it yeah. usually makes sense <laughs> yeah. to look Might at as it well look at it um <laughs> but yeah obed chinoy seems to have chops but it does seem like a very random jumping off point for the new yeah new place this is all going and hey i'm, one- I'm fine if it works oh yeah for sure um, I mean, we know that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy has been very picky about the directors that, uh, has, that she's worked with. Look at Josh Trank, not doing episode nine. Look at, um, Kevin or Colin Trevorrow, not doing episode nine. Look at, um, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller exiting solo mm-hmm. after shooting 80% of it, you know? Um, and in this case, it's not the director, it's the writer. It's the writers that are going and she's keeping the director. Kathleen Kennedy. So, um, Kathleen Kennedy being CEO of Lucasfilm, but for those of you who don't know, but, um, so this is a slightly different situation, but I feel like Kath, like she must have a convincingly good vision for whatever this story is. And I, I hadn't read specifically what you just said, but I guess I assumed that the story was staying the same and yeah. that it was just going to have to be a different spin on it. And um, it must've been bad enough that they couldn't just script doctor it. Cause yeah, I mean, who knows if they're going to end up getting credited? They, you know, they could end up getting credited with story or credited with right. You know, yeah, what, where, what they get credited as <laughs> or whatever, right. yeah, producers or something, you know. Good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pat on the head. Um, <laughs> so who knows? Um, but I believe, I, I think once we know what this movie is, you know, maybe it'll start making more sense why. Charmaine Obey Chinoy is like is the choice. Right. And again, not that she's I'm not saying that she's a bad director or shouldn't have been chosen. No, it's She'll just random and a woman to ever direct a Star Wars movie, which is amazing. Right. Which we thought um, was going to be Patty Jenkins. We sure did. Yeah. Still bitter um, about that. Yeah, me too. Uh, but hey, what if what if it wasn't good? Maybe oh, yeah. It just wasn't. Good. No, if it was bad, it was know? bad. Yeah. But yeah. Um. So, no, and, you know, we talked about and we talked about last week that Bob Iger said that they're 
being when they're looking at Lucasfilm or looking at Star Wars, they want to make sure that they are making the right film and they're moving forward with the right mm-hmm. film. So they clearly believe in Charmaine Obaid Chinoy and they don't believe as heavily in Lindelof and Britt Gibson's draft of whatever their story was. So that yeah. should be telling. No, that should and, be telling. you know, uh, they, he said that they need to put out a movie and it really seems like within the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to find out exactly where and what that movie would be. It sure does, because when is Star Wars Celebration? April? Uh, I want to say the second weekend in April. Yeah, I thought it was like the 6th or 7th or something in it London. W- oh, will be uh, 7th through 10th in London. Oh, 7th through the 10th. That's right. It's a whole weekend. Of course, not just one day. Um, uh, Jeff Snyder, again, going back to uh, his report on this pot as weekly podcast. Um, it's called the hot mic with John and Roca M I C. Um, if you ever want to check it out, I think you do it weekly on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays on YouTube and it's always in your you know, podcast also, but I think we're referencing that information a lot. Might as well, uh, plug actually where it came from. If you want to go listen to that, they talk about non nerd stuff too. They talk about film and all cinema, um, all movies, kind of news and breaking stuff like that. Anyway, Jeff Snyder says that he hears from a very credible source that we're going to get three new Star Wars movies announced at Star Wars Celebration next month. Really just in a couple weeks. So that'll be very exciting. And that this uh, one being directed by Charmaine Obey Chinoy will be one of them. And that most likely Taika Waititi's movie will be another one. And I'm not sure. I mean, we know Sean Levy is um, working on a Star Wars thing, but he's got to do Deadpool 3 before he does Star Wars. So... I'm trying to think if there's an, I don't necessarily, rem, I mean, there's been so many that have come and gone. It's hard for me to keep track and remember what other one is in any stage of development right now, but I can only really think of these two. So they're saying there's going to be three. So that third one might be a bit of a mystery or a bit of a surprise. Well, I, one. I hope it is a surprise. What's that? The Taika one. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. The o- Obey Chinoy and Taika. And, oh, okay. I thought you were saying Obey Chinoy and the Levy one. Um, oh no, I'm saying Levy. We probably won't hear right. about because we don't. We barely know anything about Deadpool three, and he's got to make that whole movie before he's greenlit on Star Wars. You know. Yeah, and the Johnson one, we he's they said keep saying there's they, no movement on that, right? Because yeah. of the knives out stuff. Out. Um, yeah, I don't because Rogue Squadron was the only other one that I could think of, and that was yo. Unless that could be a dark. What if that's a dark horse? What if they're like, you know what, that report back. was wrong. Here's Patty Jenkins, and we're making Rogue Squadron. Hey. You know. That would work cool. for me. Um, I mean, because we did get that report last week that it was canceled, but they never, like, I don't know. I didn't see, like, it's not like, you know, Kathleen Kennedy came out and said, all these reports are right. You know, like, no one ever does that. So, yeah. um, I don't know. It'd be cool. It'd be cool if, I don't know, I would still like Rogue Squadron to be a thing. I know you would, too. Mm-hmm. But, but sadly, maybe not. Like we said, if they um, cut it for a reason, they cut it for a reason. They cut it for a reason. Um, also from Jeff Snyder, uh, he said this is kind of in line with Bob Iger's statement about how like they really need to focus on Lucasfilm and they want to ramp up Star Wars stuff. And, you know, what I said that he mentioned earlier about how long it's been since there's been a Star Wars movie in theaters. He said that currently Kathleen Kennedy's job 
depends on her getting a Star Wars movie in theaters by Christmas Day 2025. And if there isn't one, she will be let go as the CEO of Lucasfilm. Yeah. That seems kind of extreme, but at the same time, when you're looking at, again, like I said earlier, the lack of Star Wars on the big screen, and yeah, like the shows are great. They're keeping us interested in the brand, keeping us interested in the stories and all that. But I mean, I, I mean, and I've heard people that prefer serialized show Star Wars to movie Star Wars. I'm not one of those people. I like, I love Mandalorian. I love Bad Batch. I love Clone Wars. I loved Andor. And I like all the other stuff too. But Star Wars to me is a theatrical experience. It's like, when I think of going to the movies, I think of going to see Star Wars movies and how excited I am all the time. And I honestly, I also don't mind when there's a lot of time in between Star Wars movies because mm -hmm. it makes it feel more special. Like you and I have talked about with the Marvel stuff. It doesn't feel as special as it used to because it's always constantly in our face. And, um, you know, I think probably we were talking about uh, DC or Star Wars. Both of them are like. They still like when we do get a new great like, you know, the Suicide Squad or the Batman or something, we get a new great DC movie. We're like, holy shit, that was great. And it was cool because I <laughs> well, haven't they seen can Batman do in a long time. Yeah, exactly. Star Wars the same way. Like if this whatever the next movie is comes out, I'm going to be super pumped for it because yeah. it will have been since 2019 that I saw a Star Wars movie in the theaters. And I'm going to be out of my mind excited about it no matter what it is, no matter what it is. Oh, yeah. No. And that's. I don't know. There's there's something to be said for taking the time and spacing it out yeah. and not overlapping with everything. I uh, Star Wars at its heart to me would be better on the big screen. However, the track record at present makes me say keep doing the thing that you're doing well. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, I don't want them to stop making shows. Right. But I also I want them to keep making movies mm -hmm. at the same time. I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, I don't want to look gift horse in the mouth like, here. Like, you you just put out currently, and you guys will hear us talk about Mando episode four, well, one through four, later on in the show. Um, yeah. In a spoiler section, uh, the historic uh, from from days of multiverse past. Uh, yeah, we're going back to the old, old style of uh, show recaps for tonight episode. We're not doing a separate Mandalorian episode, and we'll talk about it later. But yeah. But like um, but between that and Andor, it's just like, okay, you guys are doing this really good. <laughs> Can we keep doing that? Yeah. And I think they will. Yeah. Like I don't I don't think they're gonna stop. Um, and, and even parts but, of like storylines in Obi Wan were great. There was a lot of things that oh, I left agree. it for sure. Left it in the dust, but yeah, there was cool stuff in Boba Fett too. Yeah, know? they were the Mandalorian um, things. And Boba's a lot fever of dream. More. It was a lot literally more. if you took Boba's fever dream from the Sarlacc to the Tuscans, and they actually just take out the stupid speeder kids. Like that that was the biggest thing that set me off for the whole movie. Or, or whole like just give him a reason to want to be in charge of Mos Espa. Yeah. Like I never knew, like they never explained why he was doing anything <laughs> he was doing nope. at all. I don't He understand. was just doing it. He was just doing it. And didn't seem to really want to be doing it. I don't know. Um, but anyway. Um, because he could. Yeah. I get I uh I I understand what you're saying. I don't want the, I don't want them to stop making great shows, but I do want them to make great movies at the same time. 
but I don't like it does feel like a long time since I've seen a Star Wars movie in theaters. But Steve, both you and I were born into uh, a, a time when we did not think we were ever going to get Star Wars movies other than the original the special editions. Yeah. And then they announced the prequels and we all lost our minds. Right. And then after those were over, we lived in a time where we did not think we were going to get any more Star Wars movies right. because George Lucas was like, no, I'm not going to make the other ones. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. It's over. And then they got sold by Disney and immediately they announced, yeah, we're doing another sequel trilogy. And so, but so I understand. So that's where you and I come from. That's why right. we are one of my okay with like long gaps. Yeah. Like yeah. one of my most formative memories is watching the secret, the, the special editions in the theater with my dad. Like, oh, awesome. Well, yeah. watching Return of the Jedi. I don't think he yeah. saw the other, I don't, whatever. But like, I can remember watching Return of the Jedi in the theater and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And, and then they didn't play Yubnub and I was disappointed. Uh, yeah, boo. <laughs> like, I remember like hearing the news that they were announcing that they were making episodes one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. And I just like, just completely mind blowing to yeah. me. Like they what? can do that. What? There's going to be more. There's yep. going to be more of this thing. This thing uh, that, that I like lives in my Yay. heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. So I don't mind the gap, but I also understand that in 2023, the landscape of media and content, mm -hmm. ugh, hate that word, um, is radically different than it was in the late nineties, you know? So, um, you know, they got a hot brand. They got people. People want this thing. Push it out. Uh, but, but that's the hopefully, thing is people want the thing whether they push things out or not. Like people may want more of the thing if they can't get it. Like scarcity drives desire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, and I think I mean, I remember part of the part of Bob Iger's quote that we talked about last week, though, he did say like that they were he talked in referencing solo. He said we were a little disappointed by solo and that made us kind of pull back on the frequency that they were putting them out or something. So yeah, made them a little good. Yeah. So I think he I don't I don't I don't think they're looking to go back to like a yeah, we're gonna do two movies a year, which is what they were trying to trying to get to a place where they're doing two movies a year. Right. The first time they did it didn't work for them. Um but even one movie a year I think is a lot for yeah. Star Wars. I don't even need that. But now that I mean when they had that going before they screwed the cadence up of the um, saga film off brand off film, film. Yeah, saga yeah. film like something like that you know if they kept the if they kept the saga going yeah then yeah you know we still get to tell all these tales but we still have this ongoing thread you know right. that was a solid idea it ultimately it didn't work in uh, in reality but Right. Partly of their own accord from what you and I have agreed up or agreed upon over pieced the years. Pieced together and heard. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like if they'd have just put solo out on Christmas like they were supposed to. Yeah. A lot of things would have been different. Yep. And pushed Rise of Skywalker. Yep. To let JJ write a second draft. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, we're not oh, going to go down I, that rabbit hole. They probably filmed that like typos and all. They, nobody yeah, right. even took a second pass on that. They were I just know. like, all right, here's your book. Enjoy. Still, I don't hate that movie like I used to. I'm over it. I still do. I know you do. <laughs> um, 
this may uh, for uh, May the fourth, we should do a special episode where we just rank our favorite Star Wars movies. Yeah, talk about that it. works. It, that'll be after uh, after I watch Young Jedi Adventures with Sebastian. Ooh, fun! The new Star Wars kids show coming out May the fourth. Uh, Yoda oh yeah, and the I young ones. about that. Yep. Yes, I'm excited about that. That'd be great. I'm sure I'll watch that with my son too. I don't know if he's. Is it like preschool age? I don't know. Child? I think it was like. I'm sure, I'll watch it no matter what. Yeah, but he'll like yeah. it. You'll like it. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. It's Star Wars. So it'll be fun. <laughs> it may not be a perfectly appropriate for his age level, but I'm sure he'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last bit of Star Wars rumor from Jeff Snyder, and this is disheartening to me. Mm, yeah. But I can't. I. I guess I understand it when you think about what we were just talking about, like the lack of Star Wars movies lately. But apparently Jeff Snyder hears that. uh, You know, listeners, this podcast may remember from a few months ago or a month ago. I don't remember when we do these every week. I don't remember how long it's been (laughs) since we talked about news that um, uh, there was news that Lucasfilm was developing for Disney Plus a series called Ravenwood, which was going to be about Abner Ravenwood, the mentor of Indiana Jones. It was going to be a prequel to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and deal with, you know, show the adventures of Indy's mentor um, before they had their falling out, whatever that they mentioned in um, in Raiders. So um, apparently Jeff Snyder reports that series is dead at Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Disney has told Lucasfilm that they are only going to be making Star Wars content from here on out moving forward, which lines up with the cancellation of Willow. Yep. Which we heard about. And um, and the fact that we haven't heard anything else about this Ravenwood series at all um, and stuff like that. And, you know, Jeff Snyder also pointed to the fact that he doesn't know. He doesn't. He said he didn't think that uh, Dial of Destiny was going to do that great at the box office, which I'm surprised to hear. Yeah, and I don't know if I agree right. with. I know like, I know a lot of people that are real excited about that movie. So, I mean, maybe it could just be that I talk to a lot of people that like Indiana Jones movies, right. and those are my friends. But so, I, but I don't know. I was going to say, two um, of those people are on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I mean, but you can't think that if that movie is like incredibly successful that they wouldn't try to make some kind of Indiana Jones thing. You no, know? but I'd assume that I, I I would assume that this is probably something along those lines of yeah we're shelving this now if Indy comes out and like becomes the you know twentieth highest grossing movie of all time or something stupid then then we're back. they'll yeah. dust it back off but yeah. from their standpoint I I got a hunch it's like let's put this in a holding pattern now we'll see if there's still a desire for Indy. And then yeah. go from there. Whether let's find out whether Crystal Skull screwed it up too much, <laughs> right? And then, I mean, it just kind of sucks that they would like limit Lucasfilm to just Star Wars. Even though I, I mean, I love Star Wars, and you know, they probably look at like, oh yeah, okay, of, enough... of the things that Lucasfilm produces, one of them makes billion dollar movies every, excuse me, every time they come out. Yeah, uh, and the others are up and down. So I get that from a business standpoint, but it's just kind of like. You, know, you bought a whole company that has made, you know, you know, so many great films that even that aren't Star Wars or like, you know, cool films, whatever. But, um, you know, here we are saying you are limited to this one franchise. Um, Unfortunately, this does mean notice. they're not making another American Graffiti movie either. So, 
Mm. Yeah, I know. Or technically the land before time. Ooh. Wow, that's a bummer. Um, you know what I've been watching more of uh lately? I'm kind of chipping away at it, is that uh Light and Magic documentary on Disney Oh, Plus. Okay, yeah. I was did, trying did to figure out I was like, what trigger what did a land before time trigger? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not no. necessarily land before time. I got you now. Uh, yeah, no. Did that, you watch that whole thing? Uh no, I kind of am in the same boat where I'll go back to it every once in a while of like, oh, yeah. I haven't watched that in a bit, and then pound out like two, three episodes and it's great. Every it's time I watch really it, great. I'm very excited to watch it, but yeah, it's just forget it's really about interesting. It. Yeah. There's all like all this technology and stuff that I didn't know came out of Lucasfilm at all. Yeah. Like Pixar. I did not know that Pixar mm-hmm. was invented by Lucasfilm <laughs> basically yeah. while they're trying to figure out digital editing or whatever. Like it's just crazy. Crazy. And Photoshop. Right. Right. What? Blew my mind. <laughs> well, that was, that. I mean, ILM, basically everything that you do in VFX was because they were like, well, we don't know how to do this, so let's make some way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what's the, the, the cool about the early episodes. The coolest stuff is seeing how them figuring out all the Star Wars stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, watching right. watching yeah. how they foleyed that, watching how they did any of the, like, scaling. It was just like, what? How? Yeah. The, de- the yeah, trench then, run. Like, anything like yeah, that. They, yeah, it's all really, uh, it's it's really great. You should if you're looking for uh, something to you know a, a fun documentary and to I don't know bide your time with. I guess is what I'm gonna say, but I don't know that makes it sound like it's less than something else. I don't know. Right. Uh, it's called Light and Magic, and it's about industrial light and magic and the um, their how they started and all the uh, cool stuff they've done. So check that out. Moving on to the world of DC. Guess what? A little bit more drama. This isn't really like a story. I mean, I guess it is, but I don't know. It's something that I felt it was like worth talking about because it was kind of blowing up um, just because like the reception to Shazam Fear of the Gods has been less than expected. It's gotten mixed to less than or mixed to negative ish reviews, I would say. Yeah. From critics. Audience score seems to be very high, you know, and that's, you know, not that's not dissimilar to a lot of comic book stuff. I feel like, um, and director David F. Sandberg kind of reacted to the film's low box office on his Twitter this week said on rotten tomatoes. I just got my lowest critic score and my highest audience score on the same film. I was a little surprised because I think it's a good film. Oh, well, as I was saying for a while now, I'm very eager to go back to horror as well as try some new things. After six years of Shazam, I'm definitely done with superheroes for now. I don't regret even for a second making the Shazam movies. I've learned so much and will forever be grateful that I got to direct two of them. They've been very challenging, but valuable experiences. One thing I've really been looking forward to is disconnecting from the superhero discourse online. A lot of that stresses me out so much, and it will be nice not having to think about that anymore. So here's a guy who I don't think will be directing uh, anything in James Gunn's dcu regardless of whether shazam continues he yeah, seems to be out no. he seems to be done um and his biggest complaint seems to be fans yelling at him online <laughs> which i can totally understand being uh just draining yeah that's gotta, gotta get a little little uh little disconcerting there and especially like in the dc fandom when you got like so many like snyder devotees that won't stop yelling at you about bringing back 
Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck and the Snyder bring, you know, they they hate all DC movies unless Zack Snyder is going to direct. And it's like, yo, I can't imagine getting that. Plus, regular DC fans are like, your movie sucked. Or why wasn't why wasn't Black Adam in your movie? Like, yo, I don't have any control over that. Um, Well, as we learned, (laughs) did you like that segue? That was was solid. That was built in. I'm ruining it now by pointing it out. But (laughs) um, uh, if you saw Black Adam, if you saw Shazam, Fury of the Gods, you may be asking yourself one question. I guess, okay, minor, minor spoilers for Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Black Adam is not in this movie. (laughs) Not in any way, shape, or form. He's not referenced. He's not in it. No, The Rock wasn't Uh, everywhere related to the movie. So you you know um, he wasn't in it. Yeah. And um, slight spoiler for Black Adam, Shazam's not in that movie either. Um, The wizard Shazam is because he's the same one that gives uh, Black Adam his power as the same wizard that gives Shazam his power. The Rock even says the word Shazam transform into Black Adam as he does in the comics. So you'd think... And, you know, canonically in the comic books, Shazam and Black Adam arch enemies. So you'd think that they'd uh, show up together. You know, why didn't they? Nah. Everyone's asking that question. Turns out um, it's The Rock's fault. Dwayne Johnson's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Open and shut case. Uh, The Rap media outlet has reported this week that it was Dwayne Johnson himself that shot down the idea of Shazam appearing in the post-credit scene of Black Adam, which was to be... Hawkman and Cyclone approaching Shazam to recruit him into joining the Justice Society of America. So, um, this is uh, this is a, a real, again, a slight spoiler for Shazam: Fear of the Gods. I'm spoiling a post-credit scene um, that I did talk about when we did our Shazam recap uh, last week or reaction last week. But I would say you want to jump forward ten seconds, thirty seconds. Probably, you know, you want to jump forward 30 seconds and not know this, um, then do that now. So that was the original post credit scene for Black Adam, uh, which is being recruited to the Justice League. Uh, director David Sandberg then was going to repurpose that post credit scene in Shazam Fury of the Gods. And uh, The Rock would not allow him to use the characters of Hawkman and Cyclone. And that's why he used, as I said last week on our recap, uh, Amelia Harcourt and John Economos from the Suicide Squad. Um, and those characters are definitely like relevant to be making that pitch since they were involved in the events of um, right. you know, moving, previous movies. Moving forward, that almost makes more sense just because we know yes. that those two characters will be around. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that their inclusion was the fault of James, not the fault, but like the choice of James Gunn. Um, because they're his characters and that's not true it was david sandberg's choice because the rock wouldn't let him use the characters that he wanted to so um you know and then there was i guess at some point david sandberg was also asked about um shazam and the rock uh or the rock's black adam not uh crossing paths in either movies or doing like a, a fight movie where they fight each other or meet at all um, and he made a couple, he, the obvious point, he said, yeah, that's definitely money that's left on the table and it makes sense that they would have been together. He also, uh, referenced though, that in the, uh, first Shazam movie, he's fighting a character that, um, gains the powers as him. 
So for them to make a movie where he's fighting a character with the same powers would be kind of like maybe harder to make it interesting. Right. But he definitely said, quote, it's money, but it is money left on the table because people love those characters and it makes sense that they'd be together. Apparently, we know now it is uh, Dwayne Johnson just trying to make Black Adam into an A-lister and uh, just wanted Superman, 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 <laughs> and uh, nothing else. Yep. So that's how that went. Zachary Levi also um, posted an Instagram story uh, that was detailing some of the raps uh, report about this. So that kind of lended some credence to the right. fact that, oh, yeah, it's it's Johnson's fault. Yeah, so. when you sent that to me, I was like, oh, another post. Okay, cool. And then I, it took me a minute. I was like, oh, Zachary Levi. That oh, changes oh, oh, things. Oh, yeah, this is the guy. <laughs> that yeah. changes things a little. Yeah, for sure. So because of this, I saw people on Twitter and stuff saying, oh, it's The Rock's fault that Shazam, Fear of the Gods, didn't do well or something, or blaming The Rock for, like, taking a chunk out of the success of the, of the movie. But, like, I don't... Like, Black Adam didn't do the money that they thought it was going to do. Like, yeah. I don't know that it even made its money back. Maybe it did, barely. But there was a lot of talk around that movie, and the box office did not reflect the hype, or did certainly did not, and, and reviews did not reflect, you know, what The Rock was trying to get us to believe. Yeah, it, about it did that not movie. reshape the hierarchy of the DC universe. No, it didn't. Um, and, you know, I kind of like that. I like that movie. I didn't hate it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. But I'm glad that not all DCU movies are going to feel like rock movies or Fast and the Furious movies or whatever. Um, because it definitely felt a little bit like that. And um, I am glad that he's not going to have uh, so much creative control <laughs> over uh, DC movies moving forward. But so so I don't think like. If Shazam was in a post-credit scene of Black Adam, would that have been cool? Yes. Would it have uh, maybe gotten people more hyped for Shazam: Fury of the Gods? Yeah. But would it have saved the box office returns for Shazam: Fury of the Gods? Probably not, because like you know, I don't know. A lot of people went to see Black Adam just because they like The Rock, not because they're invested in the DC universe. Right. Um. So anyway, I don't know that you can really blame. I mean, you can certainly blame him for not making it, not making an obvious and really cool and uh, really cool decision that fans would have loved. I would have loved to see Shazam in a post credit scene of Black Adam, but anything to do with it, they just make so much sense. So that bothers me, but I don't think that it's his fault for the Shazam not doing well. But anyway, um. I don't really have any comics news this week other than I went to uh, the Rochester Independent Comic uh, Expo nice. on Saturday. And it was fun. I hung out with the guys from Band of Bards Comics, uh, indie publisher out of Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Um, Friends of the show. Uh, yeah, I have a, uh, and I have a story in uh, a horror anthology of theirs called From the Static, which you can buy from their website. Um, or for me, I have a, few, a couple uh, copies here. If you want to give me 25 bucks, I'll give you one. Um and that was fun. I got to see a bunch of cool like indie comic artwork and some cool books and cool creators and stuff like that. Nice. Um, it was great. Um, do you have any comic-related stories from your personal life, Steve, that you'd like to share? No, not really. I just you know picked up my poll, which included the number six of Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries because oh, yeah. that has become a staple in this household. 
and uh, did snag the other copy of uh, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Oh, nice. So nice. So the two yeah. copies that uh, <laughs> that our that local comic shop, town. yep, that our local comic shop got, uh, ended up yeah. both in this podcast. Yeah, sorry, people going to Funky Town looking for that book. It's not there anymore, but it's going to be because yeah. Jesse told me he ordered like six more, and that they are actively expanding their graphic novel selection, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. Um, I was in there brainstorming with him when I was in there the other day about like just classic books that he should be getting just like, oh, uh, yeah. long Halloween uh, stuff like nice that. Um, uh, speaking of your local comic book store this week you can find Action Comics number 1053 Avengers Beyond number 1 Bloodstained Teeth number 10 Blue Beetle Graduation Day number 5 Clobberin' Time number 1 I assume that's like a Fantastic Four yeah, thing yeah it's a Ben Grimm thing uh, Daredevil number nine, Detective Comics number one thousand and seventy, Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures number one, Gotham City Year One number six. This is the uh, final issue of Tom King's Gotham City Year One, which I heard uh, sold poorly. Nobody read it, but I also heard that it's incredible. <laughs> so huh. Huh. I'm probably going to pick up a trade when that comes out. Jesse, order that one. Uh, Harley Quinn number twenty eight, Heart Eyes number five. It's Jeff number one. Jeff the Shark, baby. Is that Jeff the Shark? Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know. I thought it was a funny title. I didn't know that it was Jeff the Shark. Um, if you don't know who Jeff the Shark is, uh, Google him right now. He's cute and funny. Common mm-hmm. uh, Rider Zero, number three. Liquid Kill, number two. Lovesick, number six. Parker Girls, number six. Something is Killing the Children, number 30. Star Wars Return of the Jedi, Jabba's Palace, number one. It's part of the uh, anniversary celebration of Return of the Jedi. Star Wars, The High Republic, The Blade, number four. Stargirl, The Lost Children, number five. Thor, 32. Unstoppable Doom Patrol, number one, book I'm very excited about. Waller versus Wildstorm, number one. And X-Men, Unforgiven, number one. There's too many you X-Men. kind of shrugged and... Okay, yeah. <laughs> Just too many? It's uh, the X... Yeah, the X-Books go in like ebbs and flows of like they'll get up to way too many things going on and then they'll cycle back down and then they'll go up to way yeah. too many things going on and then cycle back down. And usually I'm in so you, when it's cycled down. <laughs> yeah. But you're saying that they're on the upswing. Uh, they're pretty, I think they're at peak right now. They should be coming down soon. Ooh. I think post sins oh, okay. of sinister, they'll, they'll take it back to relatively tight and I'll start reading again. Hey, so you're not reading since sinister. Um, no, it lost me cause there was too many through tie like, yeah, oh, like you know, book science, yeah, yeah, the the interweavy, you know, they're yeah. above and beyond right now. Like it's one of those where once they collect things in a trade, maybe I'll go back and grab it just to read it. Mm. But uh, trying to follow it in floppies is just somewhere near yeah. impossible. Uh, did you get um, the Batman One Bad Day, Ra's al Ghul? Uh, no, I didn't uh, because I went down on Tuesday. So, oh, yeah. OK. Yep. Uh, yeah, I just read it last night. It's very good. Nice. Great way to, very strong, um, cool way to close out uh, that series. Which I hope they do again. That'd be cool if they did like another run of those. Like there's yeah. more Batman villains. Like they didn't do a Joker one. They didn't do a Scarecrow one. You know, like there's other. Yeah, there's plenty of Rose Gallery there. Yeah. Um, or pick Superman, like do it with his or something. You know, that'd be yeah. Cool. No, I did. I, I read the Clayface one. I can't remember whether that was this week or last week or some week. I think but. you mentioned last week that you had read the okay. Clayface one. Yeah, that was solid. Yeah. 
Not literally. Cool. Because, well, Clay Ferris. <laughs> Funny. Uh, got a couple one shots here to bang through. Patton Oswald and Kumail G- uh, Nanjiani have joined the cast of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, directed by Gil Keenan from a script by Keenan and Jason Reitman. It's going to be in theaters December 20th this year. Um, and um, I know we don't really, I mean, we talk about casting sometimes, but I thought this was notable just because uh, Patton Oswald is a huge nerd and uh, always involved in nerdy things. I feel like he's, he seems like a, I don't, he's, he seems like someone that should be in Ghostbusters <laughs> to me. I yeah. don't know how else yeah, to I like can, say that. He that. just seems like a good Ghostbuster character, whether he's a Ghostbuster or like the Rick Moranis weird neighbor <laughs> kind of character. Like he just seems like someone that should be in this franchise. Makes yeah. perfect sense to me. Well, it's like when he showed up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was just like, oh, okay, he fits. Yeah. Or yeah. when he was and Pip. He was, yeah, and he was MODOK. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, in, um, so these are two cast members of the Eternals. Yes, exactly. And I was going to say, and, uh, Kumail Nanjiani has been in Eternals, and he was that guy in uh, Obi-Wan, too. So he's oh, yeah. um, starting to collect all the nerd money. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Definitely putting his uh, footprint in the nerd world, Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, hey, I'm up. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is reportedly two and a half hours long. Volume Whoa. three. Uh, Whoa. Not That's the first one, because that one already came out, and we know how long that is. Yes, volume three that comes out this summer. Um, I'm okay with the two and a half hour Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Steve. If it ends up being, you know, what Gunn has touted it as, as his, you know, magnum opus yeah. in the in the Marvel Universe, and that this is sending them all off and closing the closing the book. Yeah. You know, seems fine. Yeah. Contrary to what we were saying earlier about like, you know, MCU movies not really being, we're talking about like what Deadpool three, like, okay, it's going to be his first movie in the MCU. So it's not like it's going to like really close off his arc or whatever, you know, like there's going to yeah. be more Deadpool. Like it's, you, you don't get to a sequel in the MCU and think that that's the last one. Like there's always going to be more. This is kind of doesn't really fit into that box because of what we've heard from James Gunn and other cast members that either have said that they like Dave Bautista said a number of times he's done. James Gunn is done. And, you know, James Gunn is one of the few like uh, real like visionary like auteur directors that are working in the MCU that like right. write it themselves and direct it themselves. Um, yeah, he's one of the few uh, that they've given the reins and said do what you want just do whatever yeah exactly exactly so all of those things combined make me think that this probably is going to feel like an ending yeah for most of these characters and therefore two and a half hours yeah because you you have a lot of you know it's an ensemble cast if you're gonna if you're gonna give emotional payoffs for every one of those characters in some way you need to spend the time to to build up to that and to do it right yeah, and so we know. I'm fine, with, I'm fine with that. Well, by we know, I mean what we can infer from the main trailers that we've seen and all that is that the main storyline revolves around Rocket, but you've yeah. still got to close out the rest of everybody else. So, yeah, yeah, it's not like they're gonna like. <laughs> it's not like Rocket says goodbye to them at the half hour mark, and then it's just a, all right. See know, ya. Just him. Yeah. Um. Um, so yeah, no, I'm good with this. Yeah, I'm good with this. And I think that is, um, our last story. We are probably, we are going to talk a little bit about Mandalorian 
and yeah. um, Bad Batch a little bit. Yeah, we'll do a, a Star Wars up. Star Wars uh, recap since we haven't in a while on these shows. Yeah. So um, if you're not caught up on Mandalorian and uh, Bad Batch, you should jump. Um, but so before goodbye. you do, feel free to like, subscribe, uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, the Multiverse Report, wherever you can find us, uh, except for Twitter, we're Multiverse RPT. Check us out on socials, uh, like, uh, again, review us and uh, leave us a, a message at uh, Apple Podcasts. That's always, you know, the best way to help the algorithm, you know, uh, help us out. Yeah. So yeah, that'd be great. Do that. Check us out on YouTube. We're broadcasting live there right now. And uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, about all I, I got. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, so Steve, you want the Star Wars minute? <laughs> unless you want this. Yeah. Um, so, Steve, you had been behind on Mando, I think. And you're definitely behind on Bad Batch. So you caught up big time on Bad Batch. Yeah, I had a big what, week. What do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Bad Batch or Mando first? Um, let's go Bad Batch. Okay. I love the show. <laughs> and <laughs> right I didn't expect it. to. Yeah. I didn't I didn't expect to cuz season 1 I thought was meh. It was fine. Yeah. Was there fine. were some some high highs and some meh. Yeah. And next week um is a season or this coming week is a season finale. Oh, I don't is know it? If you no, I didn't that. realize yeah. that. So I mean, just and we know I, what's I, happening I in the season finale. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I don't necessarily know like episode by episode, but just in general, like this whole plot line of how yeah the M or the Republic created all these clones, like mm-hmm. created human beings, and now are slowly retiring them or forcing them into retirement to replace them with lesser trained and more replaceable and cheaper stormtroopers. Um, they're just being like let into society with nothing. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's like senators that are advocating that they should have representation in the Senate because they're such a part of the, and like, yeah, that's amazing. And that, that's something that I never would have thought of. No. At like a detail that I never would have thought of that makes perfect, perfect sense. To be happening in the Star Wars universe. Oh, hundred percent. And I never, yeah. I never would have thought of it. And now that, you know, now that we've seen it, it's like I can't unsee it. Yeah, yeah. Because like, not all clones died in those wars. Like, there's still tons of them that are still around, but they don't have jobs anymore. So, yeah. what happens to them? And we I saw, never of you that. know, we we have seen bits and pieces through various Star Wars media. Um, you know, finding finding the guys on the the walker and rebels, yeah. and then you know through through Clone Wars, you see a couple deserters, uh, stuff like that. There's but even in, there's a homeless one on. Uh, oh yeah, in, uh, Obi Wan episode Obi Wan. Yep. Yeah. Um. Did, yeah. Did they actually get tomorrow to play that? Yep. Okay. Yeah, they did. That's I couldn't yeah. remember whether it was like a looks like him or whether it was him sitting in the armor. I'm I'm pretty sure it was yeah. him. I remember it being him. That but. I mean that makes sense. He he's gonna cash yeah. that Star Wars check when he can. Um yeah, of course. Because why wouldn't you? Come why back, wouldn't you? Come I back for a ten second scene. Sit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sit and panhandle with a five oh first helmet. Okay. Enjoy. Yeah. Um oh, um but yeah God, all I like the political that. intrigue I around it was that. a 501st helmet too and that's like it hit even harder because oh, it? it was like yeah because it was the blue helmet. Like oh blue, yeah you're right blue yeah, markings. Blue. Yeah. And uh, yeah. just the the Obi Wan seeing Anakin's troopers sitting there, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. you're right. I never thought about that before yeah. in that context, but yeah, of course, because he worked with them. So, yep. 
it's well plotted. Um, uh, but yeah, the whole like political intrigue of clones and, you know, somebody really knows what happened on Camino and people are getting killed to hide. Like just, it's Oh yeah. So cool. <laughs> so cool. And not the part of it you would have expected to like, like that. I know. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Because it doesn't even involve the main character. Right. Really even involved in that. It's thread. it's a whole bunch of characters that we've never met in any never Star Wars met. anything before. Yeah, yeah, and like now Echo and Cody, I think are they're getting a little more involved in that, like rescuing clones. Yeah, and yep. like that. Yeah, um, right. Because Echo left to go work with them. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, let's. I don't know where else to go other than that. Uh, the the crosshair second crosshair episode. Yeah, the first one was very very amazing outstanding and then the second one was just like knocked it out of the park again yeah and it was like a gut punch oh yeah kind of at the end when he kills that uh commanding officer (laughs) oh man again things you Uh, you you would not have expected going into an animated show to feel the feelings you do watching those especially episodes yeah especially one that i didn't really care about after the first season like i didn't think that this would be some of the best animated star wars ever um season two um but yeah and there's been some filler episodes here and there but they usually all at least have something to drive the point for the plot forward yeah yeah so remind me where we left off crosshairs sent them a warning that they're coming after omega yep on his whatever channel yeah and what else or I think that's where we left it. Was there something open with Sid too? No, I think. Wasn't she like kind of turning on them? Or that? Yeah, they happened? referenced they. Yeah, they referenced um to uh, the character that Wanda Sykes voices. Yeah. I don't remember her name. They referenced that they're not really working together anymore. They had like a falling out. Right, because they've got but, their new happy home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're yeah they're on the island. Yep. Um, hanging out. I don't remember what else happened besides the crosshair thing, but I guess that's all. That's that like the main the one. driver. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, so what was it? They said, uh, is it a trap or whatever? And then, yeah, I can't remember exactly what the hell, where they left it. Yeah. Cause they, they were able to rationalize that it wasn't a trap and that he was actually reaching out. Right. Yeah. I don't I'm, I feel like it definitely ended on some exciting thing. I just don't remember it at all. It's weird that like I remember this show in like broad strokes. Yeah. Until I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember every detail yeah. of this thing. No, I hear you. Um, there's also like a thousand things that I'm watching and doing and thinking about yeah. all the time. So I can only retain so much people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we have show notes. <laughs> that's right. So oh, Mandalorian, Steve, yep. uh, what do you think of this season of Mandalorian so far? After the first season or first episode, I thought I was on my way out. Wow. Yeah. Like not not, you know, viscerally like I was going to watch, yeah, but I, I was like I yeah. it had lost me a little. And then mm-hmm. the Bo-Katan arc started up. Yeah. In earnest and it's like okay, back in. <laughs> so there's been there's been four so far. Four. Yep. Okay. That's what I thought. The um yeah, the last one was the uh pterodactyl chase there yes yep okay yeah because then the one before that was the doctor 
Um, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Which was, let's talk about that episode. That was okay. a strange episode. I liked it. Yeah. But where is that plot line going? I I don't know. I don't know either. And I know I, like, I, I remember uh I think in our our text with uh uh, friend of the pod matt Beseda. yeah we had uh, a conversation too about like a weirdly placed uh march of the resistance too right and they were touching the rock and it's like i didn't even notice that but you both of you noticed that the yeah. theme the resistance theme played while they were looking at that rock in the middle of coruscant and it's like it, i don't know you don't put a cue like that in just for the hell of it but yeah. i doubt that you know she the former Gideon second in command, whatever her rank or name was. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's not like she's going to join the resistance. It doesn't seem like she would. But, you know, she she put Pershing under the bus for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really know why. So that's where it's going to pick up. It's probably going to pick up with her um, getting involved in something else. So she sets him uh, up. She gets his mind wiped. He's the foremost expert on cloning around. What's the deal? I don't know. So that's I a, thought the doc, I, I mean, maybe the doctor, it depends on how scrambled the doctor's brain is, I guess, when he comes out, because I mean, they're definitely setting up. Well, she spinal tapped that shit. That went to 11. Yes. So that's true. They said true. the, the Mon Calamari uh, that was told that this was a trap. Um, was he? He had yeah, it set, funny. set very low, and then they like she just cranked it. So I'm assuming he's got like a good solid scrambled egg in there right now. Yeah, but they've been laying so many breadcrumbs to connect eventually to like cloning Palpatine. Yeah, I think. Um, that it seems strange they'd get rid of the guy that knows how to clone things <laughs> you know but yeah. who knows? they have his re- they have his research still so i don't well, know they could put um, their top men on it top top man uh i love that movie um <laughs> and so yeah okay and this most recent one was yeah them going after the dragon yeah and saving the kid and what else am I remembering? So was it episode, episode was it episode two or the Pershing episode where they actually are uh, like where they're on Mandalore? Uh, that's episode that starts on episode two. Where he gets captured by that weird uh, droid blob eyeball thing, right? And then she has to come save him. You know what I loved about that episode? I love that they're showing, and so far in this season in general, because they did in the last episode mm-hmm. too, they are progressing I mean it's been two years we know that Grogu has been with Luke Skywalker for two years yeah um John Favreau said that in an interview they are progressing Grogu like not necessarily in size he can't talk yet he's still adorable right but he's talking more he's able to do like talking ish more you're right yeah like they're they're giving him like more agency as a character they're giving him his own stuff to do even though he's still small Right. He's not the helpless. Fact that he could he can fly to go force. see Bo-Katan. Exactly. He flew his little pod out of that cave, force pushed that, you know, caveman out of the way and flew to get Bo-Katan. Like that's the thing that he did on his own. And even, you know, 
uh, Din having him face off against that other um, kid in the mm-hmm. most recent episode, he figures out a way to win. You know, like they're I like that they're not just like, ah, eh, well, we're just going to keep him a baby forever because people expect him to be a baby right. and cute. Like, and I'm not saying in season four he's going to be, you know, a full blown Yoda. A full blown Yoda. <laughs> a full blown Yoda is a great band name or title <laughs> album title. I was going to say that's the that's the debut album right there. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> um. So, uh, but I but I like that they're like progressing his character, at least. I guess that's all oh, I yeah. need to say about that. But I thought that was cool. No, and that's that's going to be interesting to see where and what they continue along that route because, like him facing off in that battle thing, um, I don't know it that for one that felt weird, but like that would have well you know what because people don't necessarily if you did not see um, Boba Fett you wouldn't have put two and two together that. Luke was training right. him and all that outside of, you know, just remembering these finale. Where I mean, I guess you'd have him. to be like, well, I guess he just went with Luke at the end of season two. But now they showed just up back. again. Like you just have to like just I guess that's what I don't know. Right. Yada, yada, yada. Somehow Grogu returned. They're back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but exactly. But like, I, I just don't I don't know. It seems. It seems like it almost and. I guess we're we're back in the uh, hypotheticals, but it seems like it almost would have been better if he had learned more training at the temple, like the the OG temple prior to Order sixty six. Um, yeah, and that well, we haven't even talked about that yet, right? And that this is kind of unlocking him, which is what Din's speech. Oh, sure. Like in my brain, I was like, oh, he's repressing like what he can do because he doesn't want to be found. And yeah, all that, and it's like okay, I could I could track some of this. So mm. I I don't know the my head cannon and the show cannon are butting heads at present. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, and we can't uh we can't not talk about what ha- what we saw in the most recent episode. You mentioned Order sixty six. We mm-hmm. saw Grogu um survive Order sixty six. We saw his experience. Um, being attacked by clone troopers, live action mm-hmm. clone troopers. Super cool. Um, and we got like a smidgen of that in, was it in Boba Fett? I think it was in Boba Fett. We get a slight flat, like we see Grogu remember it for just like a second, I think. This was a lot more of it. Yeah. Both times, I was really hoping that we were going to see Aiden Christensen <laughs> as Anakin. Because, you know, he came back, but, you know. Yeah, apparently not for the show. But who did we see? What prequel actor did we see? One open that, a door. One that, and what's that? I was gonna say just open a door and and basically give them the Schwarzenegger. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. Oh, hundred um, percent. And save his life. That, who did we see? that was the the feel. Uh, one that nobody would recognize by looking at him, because in Star Wars, the only place you've seen his face. Uh, as this character was in a kid's game show that they did, I believe. I can't remember uh, yep, the name of it. Kid. But, uh, yeah, I should have wrote it down. It was uh, like Jedi, Jedi Temple Academy Challenge. or something like that. The Jedi, Jedi Temple, Temple Challenge. Challenge. Uh, yep. Jedi Master Kelleran Beck, played by Ahmed Best himself, uh, the mocap actor, actor and voice of Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. 
That's right. So, so yes, Kelleran Beck is a canonical Jedi, uh, but like you just said before this, we only know him from a YouTube kids game show uh, where he was the host, but apparently all that took place like in canon. I didn't realize. I never watched that show. I knew. Yeah. I remember that they. I remember when they announced it, and I remember that Abed, Ahmed Best was hosting it. I didn't realize it was in character. I didn't right. realize they it was gave him a in canon or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's super cool that they brought him in. That they brought one. They brought Ahmed Best 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 in at all. Yeah. Um, two. I think it's cool that they included that character and gave him like a little more oh, yeah. juice and something something big, not just like a cameo. Like he saved Grogu. He's the reason that Grogu is still alive. Oh yeah. Well, and I texted yeah. you guys. I mean, he during the, the the whole chase, it's like the I'm at best driving a bark speeder away from a bunch of like clones is not Clone something troopers. I knew I needed to see, and it was yeah. just great. It like was to awesome. see, yeah. <laughs> and I guess it's not. Um, I, I saw it put online. Uh, people calling it a redemption are very wrong for Ahmed Best. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. it's a recognition, and like yes. to give him his due because there's a whole generation of kids that grew up loving Jar Jar. Yeah, and it's just yeah. old us old shits that like gave him crap to yeah. the point where he actually came out and, you know, acknowledged that he was suicidal because of what he went through and that he had a lot yeah. of, a lot of issues based on the, the stupidity of like the quote unquote fandom. Um, sure. Ripping him up and down for him doing his job and playing Jar Jar Binks, exactly how George Lucas wanted him to be played. Wanted him to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, David Sandberg can't wait to get off of superhero. Right. right. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, yeah, um, crazy. Same thing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. Um, I didn't honestly, I got to say, I, when I saw his face, I was like, who is that guy? I've seen oh, him yeah. before. He looks, how do I know that guy? Not like the character, but the actor, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and it wasn't until I saw his name in the credits where I was like, Oh, was Ahmed best. Amazing. I lost my mind when I saw it in the credits and I had to explain to my wife why I was so <laughs> Why you were going crazy. Yeah. Um, uh sorry my computer was coming unplugged um uh speaking of jar jar banks if you are um, a fan of jar jar and think that um he's uh, an unsung hero then um gonna plug or my most recent uh album that i just put out yeah um i put out my uh my february project album was called um volume one i don't remember the name of it <laughs> what's the name of my album i put out two seconds ago <laughs> no idea um uh, yeah, no, just check it out. <laughs> I can't believe that I can't remember it. Um, but uh, put the perfect nothing February part, February 8th, part, part one, one, the perfect nothing. Yep. Um, I just pulled I up your bank camp page. <laughs> yeah. Um, I write and record 14 um, new songs every year. Uh, this year contains a song called Oh Jar Jar, which is an ode to Jar Jar Binks, um, taking a, a sympathetic look at the character. Because um, you know, when you're when you're writing uh, 14 songs in one month, you're just taking any idea that you can get. So <laughs> this year, that's what it came out. So check that out if you um, on you know streaming services or on my Bandcamp page. If um, you're a Jar Jar fan, hopefully you'll appreciate it. 
but Steve, that's all uh, pretty much all I got. I don't know how long we've gone, but uh, talked aimlessly about Star Wars shows for a while, unless you had anything specific to bring up about no, those shows. We, we've only been going an hour and a half, so we're in good shape. Um, all right. So, yeah. No, I think, uh, I think we're good to go there. I'm good to go. Good Sweet. to go. And if anybody's still listening and didn't listen to the prior, uh, check us out. Leave us a review. That's about Please it. Do. It's Cliff Notes. That's about it. So, until next time. Oh, this is our 101st episode also, by the way. Oh, yeah. Hooray. I know you probably know that if you, you listened to last episode, right. which was 100. But this is like, you know, we're stepping into a new 100. That's like a big deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what the thing. Ahead. Hopefully probably. less controversies and more actual fun news to talk about. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, what's next? Or what, what comes ahead? Uh, episode 102 next week. <laughs> yep. That's right. The next episode. Uh, And until that next episode, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the multiverse.